attention, please. Stop walking while I'm squawking. All aboard. Hi, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Another week, another episode of Life Inside Adam and Dana's Head on Disney. Should be In like, the year 2022. 2022. We made it. 20, as you said the other day, last week, I think. 2022. <laughs> Two? It has to Ooh. be better, right? It has to be. Uh, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> Let's, it'll be fine. I, it's all going to be okay. fine. It'll be fine. It's going to be great. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. fine. Cue the emoji of the dog sitting in the fire and going, yeah. everything's Drinking fine. Drinking his coffee. Everything's this fine. Is fine. Everything's this fine. is fine. This is fine. Hi. Oh, goodness. Hi, Adam. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I am happy after the day today to be uh, forgetting about real life and talking about Disney for a couple a couple beats here, but um, you have a Disney World trip coming up. Oh my gosh, I am so excited! I don't, COVID be darned, we are gonna go on this trip by hook or by crook. Um, <laughs> we are gonna go. My daughter got a big surprise for Christmas. We wrapped up a bunch of little like things for the airplane, and so she unraveled each of those items, like a coloring book, and and they were all Disney themed and and markers and all this stuff. And then it got to and a dress that was of Mickey. And then the last thing I wrapped up the 50th anniversary like um, package that they send you, the little like pamphlet that's like get excited. So I wrapped that up because I had a big picture of Mickey and Minnie in their 50th outfits. And she's like looking at me all wide-eyed. And I was like, we're going there. We're going to Florida. And so for weeks now, it's all she's talking about. She'll come home from school and she's like kind of bragging, I think, a little bit with her friends of saying like, I'm going to Florida soon. In a couple weeks, I get to go to Florida. (laughs) So I'm like, I joined the club, sister. I'm bragging in my own head, talking to just you pretty much, Adam, but bragging for sure about our trip i am insanely jealous and i can't wait to hear all about it because again we've been watching our weekly vlogs from our favorite uk vloggers who have been all over disney world lately and it's just miss it like i i you know weirdly like i'm most excited to go to epcot when we get down there at some point to see even though it's still under construction i still want to see the changes that have happened like the creation shop looks amazing the new merch store which Mm -hmm. of course you know i think this is actually a good little segue right here to merch 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 (laughs) i think it's gonna be all about the merch for quite some time at the disney parks and it's gonna be about walking into the park and how you spend more money which we've already seen with disney genie and disney genie plus that like you're Mm -hmm. paying extra money to do things now that you normally would not. I mean, I guess you have the choice. You can wait in a line and stand in line forever to not pay and do it free. But if you want the expedited fast pass, which used to be free, you are paying for that now in one way or the other. And I think this is just the beginning of it. I think we started to see it like when they built Galaxy's Edge and so many of the experiences there were pay for experiences like build the lightsaber or make a droid mm-hmm. And which they were things to do in the land, but it cost you significantly more money to do. Right. And for me, a person who loves Star Wars but has no intention of building a lightsaber, I'm okay with saving $200 from 
doing that experience. But, you know, I have a lot of clients who do book that. So I get it. There is a place for it. I'm really against it overall. Like, I'm still going to try a day or two of the Genie Plus to experience it and tell you guys about it. But I really am so tired of exactly what you're describing, Adam, that, like, you're already forking over so much money to – stay on Disney property to buy tickets to go into the parks and now they're requiring you no, not requiring you but they're requesting if you want to skip all these lines now you have to pay to play uh and our dear friend Sierra just went to Disneyland a couple of weeks ago she went with her mother and her sister and they bought the um Lightning Lane for Radiator Springs. Oh, yeah. And they bought Genie Plus that day. And she's like, I bought them as my Christmas gifts to my mother and my sister. I spent $120. That's like another park ticket. Yes. It's a whole separate park ticket. You could have invited a fourth person for that same price. Did she say that paying for the Lightning Lane at Radiator Springs was worth it or not? She said that it was worth it only because her mother really wanted to go on it. But she's like, I have gone on this ride a bunch of times. If it were just me at the parks or me with you guys, I wouldn't have paid for this. But because my mom goes once every few years, it was a specialty thing. Mm. Uh, She did say that the Genie Plus was fun, but not user-friendly by any stretch of the imagination. And she's really savvy with the Disney, you know, app and everything. So she was like, it it still took me a lot of time fiddling around and finding the lightning lane to select it, to figure out what time. She's like, it's not user-friendly. It's not, like, Mm. in-your-face easy. And she's like, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have this, you know, already foundational knowledge of this app in the first place. Well, apparently some of the lines for the paid lightning lane have been absurd. Like people have been complaining that they're in line forever after paying the seven, ten, fifteen dollars, depending on the ride, whatever it is, they're stuck in these lines. And there's been like reports online and social media and everywhere else, like of people who paid seventeen dollars to ride Seven Dwarfs Mine Train down at Disney World, right? And then they're standing in line for forty five mm-hmm. minutes to an hour in the Lightning Lane trying to get on this ride after they already paid to skip the line. Like the it line. just. So I think this all just is a great way to say it's when the day we're recording this, because it's still in the year 2021, when we're recording this Don't podcast. Don't tell them our secrets. Um, Don't tell them our secrets, Adam. But time travel, we're in the year 2022. Um, today, December 30th, 2021, is the day Bob Chapek has officially taken full reign of the Disney company. And I think I'm sorry to say, but I think we're going to see a lot more of this nickel and dime you for everything after we've already gutted your bank accounts for you to come to the parks. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. I mean, and I That's think it's all I can say about, that. I think it's going to be, how do they milk more money out? And they're going to continue to play this game. I think we talked about this last week too, of blame the pandemic. And this is why things cost more, but it even goes back to the other week. I think we talked about this one when, Uh, It was a CFO or somebody made some horrible comment about portion sizes at Disney World. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about how they're going to like shrink the food portion sizes that you're getting on meals. And they were like, well, maybe that'll do some of our uh, guests some good to have smaller portion sizes. Like, come on. Oh, that's so so nearsighted. That's like when um, the CEO of Lululemon said, like, I'm going to make sure that only women who buy my leggings have thigh gaps. It's like, well, that is only if you're anorexic. Do you have a thigh gap? Like, (laughs) 
That's not a thing, sir. Don't say that and alienate most of the people that buy your product. So so the era of merchandise Bob, as we'll refer to him today, um, not going so great to start because uh, so, you know, those spirit jerseys that people are obsessed with and they've got like the puff there. It's all like the puff paint type like material where it says yeah. Disney World or Disneyland on the back. Well, they made some yep. really cool 50th anniversary ones and they looked really cool. And they were like um, pink for the ladies with the iridescent and like iridescent pink and like had the 50th on it in Disney World. They also made them for Disneyland, too, in the iridescent pink with the with just Disneyland Resort on the back. Um, uh-huh. They did them in the puff paint like the other spirit jerseys are, which I do have my one like deep red spirit jersey that I like with the puffy black lettering on it. Well, so everybody like they did with all the 50th anniversary merch just bought these up like crazy. Well, they got shipped oh, out to yeah. people and it was not what you thought you were buying. The shirts, the quality <gasps> apparently was horrible. The puffing, they like replaced the puff paint with like some glittery Disney World writing that isn't staying on the shirts very well. Like it's bad. It's bad. So I'm, are you looking this looking up right now? Up. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not great. Uh, people aren't happy. The Internet's not happy and not not a great uh, story to have out there on day one of merchandise. Bob's reign over the Walt Disney Company. Oh, everything's saying that they've already removed them and there's all these delivery errors. Wow. Ooh, yeah. It does not look good. No, no, Bob. No, mm. Bob. No, I don't no, know. Bob. No, here's. Well, here's another sad, um, and I'll completely blame Bob Chapek for this one, too. (laughs) But when we went for our snacking around Disneyland Day, and you heard that podcast episode where we broke down everything that we ate, well, our big stop was at Carthay Circle where we got a bunch of appetizers. And, of course, Kim made a little to-do of, like, hey, it's Dana's birthday. She should get a you know a free slice of cake or whatever, which is what they always do at those parks, and they make a pretty big deal about birthdays. And yeah. the guy who or a said, glass of champagne or something, right? way more happily take that over a slice of cake. But the guy was like so great, and he'd been working there for fifteen years or something like that. And he was like, oh, without missing a beat, he's like, well, happy birthday! And by the way, we don't give out free cake anymore, but you can purchase a slice of cake, and uh, we also don't write your name in like happy birthday, you know, chocolate letter any longer but we have a pre-stamped happy birthday white chocolate emblem that we can place on the purchased slice of cake for you if you would like no and we were like wow that is so sad it's gone like i i hate to say it this way because we love disney so much but I I know you and I have talked about this offline, but I will say it here on this podcast. Universal Studios, if you're listening, this is your time. You can take a lot of the fan base of Disney right now because there is some serious cuts of magic that are happening at the expense of Bob Chapek or just at the expense of saying it was getting rid of things because of COVID. Yeah. You're doing that by losing so much of the Disney. Such a bummer because like when we went to Disney world for, for our honeymoon, we wore those buttons. Uh I was like, we are wearing these buttons every day around the happily ever after buttons around the parks every day, the entire time we're there because we are going to get free stuff. And we did like every 
sit-down meal we went to, we got a glass of champagne or a cupcake or something as like a congrats yeah. and blah, 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 blah. That's super sad if that's gone, especially when you're celebrating something special like that. And we still don't know yeah. to this day who sent us a basket to our room on our honeymoon. And we got this huge basket with uh, his and his tuxedo ears with our names <gasps> embroidered in the back, a bottle of champagne, a bottle of sparkling juice um two we still use them mickey mouse champagne flutes um so a bunch of chocolates and stuff like that somebody tb we still to this day it's been nearly five years we have no idea who sent us that amazing basket for our honeymoon but it was walt disney himself maybe he he rose he is risen (laughs) and gave us he rose (laughs) and gave you this uh, that's really sweet. Yeah, I know. I I hope that things get a little bit better and and we start seeing some more of that Disney magic. But it uh, you hear it constantly being talked about on the internet with friends. Like you go to the parks and you know the rides are still there, the things you love are still there. But there is a little bit of that magic that hasn't come back since before the pandemic yeah. shut down. Mm-hmm. So for me, a little bit of personal Disney news that's also seeped onto the internet is we have a couple trips coming up in January with our friend group, our friend Carly, you know, Expedition Mm -hmm. Everest Carly. Uh, She finally got her Disney magic key. So she's joining us again in our little friend group. I know. Are they they selling them again? No, she bought hers a couple months ago. Oh, I actually don't know if they reopened them. I don't think they are. I think it's going to be after the new year. I think you're right. But I'm glad she got it a couple months ago. So anyhow, we had a couple of reservations for Oga's Cantina, like one in early January and one for late January. And a couple of days ago, I get an email from Disney saying like, hey, sorry, we canceled both of your Oga's reservations. I heard about this. Yeah. So, so sorry about that. But because we did that, here's $75 to cover whatever you want in Disney dollars. So they sent me oh. um, $75 gift card. So I told the girls we just remade um, – a Carthay Circle reservation. And so <laughs> we're going to go back there and not get a piece of birthday cake. Uh, but we're going to spend that 75 bucks on that meal. So, oh, But still a bummer. Total bummer. At first I was like, does this mean Oga's is closed for the month of January? And it sounds like it was more of a scheduling glitch than anything else. And so they just canned most of their reservations and then gave us money for it. I'm okay with it. I've done it before. I would be really upset if I was flying in from Indiana to go to Disneyland for the first time and they canceled that reservation. That stinks. I did. I remember reading that and people on the internet were the internet was not happy that Disney had like widely just canceled everybody's reservations. Yeah, I don't know anybody who got to keep them for January. And they're not available, I looked. Of course they're not, because I'm sure other people got on there. I swear there are AIs running around that we don't know about that just book up reservations. And we have no idea. 100%. I definitely know that's the case, especially after working in, um, (laughs) you know, this travel agency side of all of this. It's pretty nutty. And it is like trying to get Adele tickets these days, guys. Like, it shouldn't be this ridiculous. And that's another – I'm sorry. We are really harping on Disney today. But that's another (laughs) big negative of, like, how we have created such a insanity with getting reservations for restaurants now. And mostly that's for Florida. But – 
but Disneyland too. It's just shouldn't be this complicated, and no. we've made it overly complicated for the average person. Ugh, stinks. Okay, um, maybe on a more actually no, this is kind of also a weird one. So web slingers, um, uh-huh. also home to Bob Chapek's uh, web slinging merch that nobody buys. Um, the like the things that you're supposed to buy to wear on the ride to make the ride better. Yeah, or something, you know what I'm talking. The web slingers. Anyway, so apparently when they built web slingers, they had intended to put a single rider lane in there, and they did. They had the signage up for single rider lines, which I am. Kurt and I are both huge fans of single rider lines, even with having the kid now, because it's oftentimes way faster than doing rider swap. Where you can just totally. like tag out, like do Splash Mountain, like single riding Splash Mountain at Disneyland is genius. You can't do it at Disney World, but you can single ride at Disneyland. And like Disneyland is the home of single riding. There's only a handful of attractions at Disney World where they actually let you single ride. But at Disneyland, I mean, you got Matterhorn bobsleds, you've got the Incredicoaster, you've got, uh, good gosh, you've got, um, Splash Mountain, Mountain, Space Mountain, like all these different rides that you can just single rider there. So Indiana, no, not Indiana Jones. You can't single rider Indy, but um, it just makes it faster. I feel like because you can Mm -hmm. just one person goes in, the line is never that long, and then you get out, um, and then you swap. So they were supposed to do this at Web Slingers. Well, sad news, folks. They have removed the single rider signage at Web Slingers and they never even opened up for single rider because it was all on the um, the lot of the um, virtual queue. And then it's gone to standby and they have just since removed the signage for single rider. So I guess that is a dream that will not come true. Why? Why do they need to? Why can't they? It doesn't offer make that? sense. Fill the seats. Maybe they've realized yeah. they are filling the seats. I don't know. But huh. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. That's weird. So wah wah. Uh, but staying over at DCA, um, I you know, I think it's been noted. I love the Marvel movies. I love all of them. Much more I'm more of a Marvel person than Star Wars. Um I just saw the new Spider-Man. I'm I'm delayed by a month with it. Isn't it so good? Oh, it was so good. We won't spoil I loved it, but it. We loved it, loved it, loved it. We went to by the way, we went to the Alamo Draft House in San Francisco for it. Yeah. Which is also where we have tickets to go see Scream. And it is in this old, old, old what they did is they converted this old theater in the mission from like 19. Have, have you been there? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. What, one of my best friends, her husband runs it. He runs the oh. draft house in San Francisco. Oh my gosh. Can yeah. we email him and ask him to get me a screen poster? That'd be great. But second of all, <laughs> um, so we went in there. It's beautiful. And we saw Spider-Man there. And that's where we're going back to see Scream, which I'm also excited about because it feels very like Scream 2 when they're at that old movie theater at the beginning. Totally. You know I mean? yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Popcorn, light butter, Diet Coke, please. Um. Anyway, so <laughs> Marvel, Marvel. I, I derailed Thank us you. by telling you, you de- how much I yeah. love Spider-Man. Um, oh gosh, I loved it. There was one moment with a certain Spider-Man and a certain character that just made me like choke up for a second and i won't say it here i because i, I know what spoil. i know what you're talking about i know exactly but it was what a scene years in the making let's just put it that way and i was like oh oh my god are you was there a line said by both of them that was are you okay yeah yeah i think you know what i'm talking about yep okay yes I do. anyway um so uh 
Marvel Star Wars. So there is one actress who I absolutely love that kind of crosses. She's like just I swear, like you remember back back in the day when like actors were signed to studios and all they did is they worked yeah. at those studios and like they just were signed to that studio, did movies for that studio. That's all they did. Now actors bounce around like everywhere. I yeah. feel like Disney has this actress in like a contract because all she does is just Disney stuff. Um, Ming-Na Wen, who I think is a phenomenal actress. I uh-huh, absolutely yeah. loved her in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like I love Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC. Um, it's such a bummer that it was part of canon for like the first few seasons. And then they just decided, no, it has nothing to do with the MCU. So all these great characters um, from that show don't exist. They're in like a different universe apparently Mm. is now what they're saying. And so Ming-Na Wen was amazing. Agent May in that show loved her, loved her, loved her. I wish the agents of shield were part of Avengers campus at DCA. Like they're just missing. They had such like, Mockingbird and Quake and like all these other characters that would be so cool to have as additions to Avengers Campus that just aren't going to uh-huh. be there because Disney has deemed that that part of the Marvel universes don't we're just going to pretend that didn't happen I guess I don't know what they're doing but anyway wow. so I got really excited when I was scrolling through my usual Disney sites and I saw Ming-Na Wen appeared at Disney California or Disneyland and I was like wait what what was she doing there and then I realized it was for they were doing promotions for uh, the new book of Boba Fett, uh, Boba Fett. Sorry, see again, Marvel person, not Star Wars. Um, and she was there <laughs> promoting for that. But anyway, it just I wanted to bring it yes. up because I think it's really a bummer. Because did you watch Hawkeye on Disney Plus yet? No, I haven't watched it yet. Um, okay, I, I, here's here's my thing about Marvel. I love Marvel. I think you know they are really fun. Sometimes for me, married to my husband, our AKA the unpaid intern who loves Marvel, it feels a little bit like a homework assignment if we watch too much of it because then it's like it's a lot to remember and he wants to remind me and I love him for it, but sometimes I'm like, I need something else right now. Yeah, there is. There's a lot to remember. Yeah, yeah. But I will say we loved, like, we finished Hawkeye the other night and hands down my favorite Marvel Disney Plus series to date. Like it ties into ah. the movies really well. It tied into um, the uh, standalone um, ScarJo Black Widow movie, and it tied into Endgame very mm-hmm. well and all that. However, they put it that show put the nail in the coffin for Agents of Shield with a reveal at the end of the last episode. And if you want to know about it, go on the internet. You'll see the internet once again not happy. That they oh. kind of just nailed in the coffin on Agents of Shield with something they did in this one. Yeah, want want, but want want. Uh, um. Anyway, that's all I had. Uh, there wasn't. I mean, I guess that actually was a lot when it didn't feel. That was a like, lot. There was a lot. That to was talk a lot about, of us. That was a lot of us griping about the new <laughs> Disney news. But I we guess, do love these you, days. Disney. I love we you. We do. We we take love my money. You. We love you, Disney. You can still have all my money. We just would like you to not make it so obvious you're taking our money. How's that? <laughs> Not as sure. obvious, please. Sure. Well, that's what they do so well. Again, what we said last week at Alani and at the Disney World, we just beep, 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 tap your card, and you have no idea how much money you're spending until you check out of that hotel, and you're like, oh, we're yes. eating ramen. Um, yeah. <laughs> but worth For it. For seven more months, ramen <laughs> it is. So, Dana, it's been a while. Oh, Should my we goodness. 
dive into the vault. Yes, we shall. I can't do a deep voice, so you have to always do your deep dive vault voice for us. let's dive into the vault. And dive is the appropriate word to use for this Wait, am I going to guess? Do I get a clue? You should, but here's what I will tell you. This This is my clue. So for Christmas, Kim got me a book called Walt Disneyland, A Walk in the Park with Walt Disney. So it's great. It's by a woman named Marcy Carricker Smothers. Highly recommend it. I've already read, I think, the whole thing. It's a lot of pictures, too, like old pictures I've never seen. And I thought I'd seen every picture there is to do with Disney history. (laughs) So my my hint to you is that it's old enough that Walt was a part of this ride. And you said dive is key. So is it? Yeah. And it's at Disneyland. So what was a part of it? Is it have to do with that little lagoon where there's Finding Nemo now? No, that's a good guess. But no, it's not. The f- no, you already is did the, ride the submarine, too. Uh, yeah, we did. do. I did that one. <laughs> it's yeah. Hard. Is the ride still there? Yes. Oh, I have no idea. Um, How about uh, Ahoy, mateys? Does that Ahoy help mateys. you at all? Are we doing Pirates of the Caribbean? <gasps> we are. Yo, We're going to do Pirates. Yo, but- oh, a Pirates life for me. By the way, the best one at Disneyland. Oh, we're going to get into that, my friend. We're going to talk a lot about that. All right, I'm getting comfy. Here, and Adam, strap in because this is going to actually be a two-part vault because I started reading about one thing, which was the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, and I couldn't tell this without first starting with telling you the history of the New Orleans Square area at Disneyland. So I want to start off with that first, which was incredible. There's so much I learned in the last day of just researching this ride. The book helped. So did the D23 website on doing all of this research, just so you all know. Um, But I'm going to start with the New Orleans Square piece of it all. So New Orleans Square was actually not one of the original sections of Disneyland. It's the first section to be added, the first land to be added to Disneyland. And it was added in 1966. But Walt, even in the like early 50s, had this affinity for New Orleans. Almost any chance he could get, he would go visit there with his wife. And he just loved it so much. And in fact, you can kind of thank New Orleans for the invention of um, audio animatronics. It was during a trip in to New Orleans in the mid-50s when Walt was walking around an antique store and found a bird in like a gilded cage that was mechanical. So there was like a button on the back that you could push and it would squawk and flap its wings, kind of like a <laughs> typical toy these days. But he thought it was so cool. So he brought it back to his Imagineers and was like, figure this out and make this work as a real thing with like mechanical engineering and they did so that was kind of his first thought through of what an audio animatronic would be isn't that at the walt disney museum up here i think it it is i think i'm sure it it. is well wanted to play with it it but it was like do not touch because of covid so well it would make sense so he's always loved new orleans and he really wanted to have his own new orleans square he like brought it up a bunch of times to Imagineers, and frankly, the Imagineers were like, "Okay, buddy, yeah, sure, we'll we'll put that in." Like, we're a little too busy, like you know, making your rides and stuff. We're not going to make a whole new land. Um, but he worked out across from Rivers of America. He found three acres of land that he kind of started to reroute, and was like, "This is where it's going to be. We're going to put my New Orleans Square." And he talked to one of his original Imagineers, Herb Ryman, and and just offhandedly said to him one day, like, hey, whatever happened to 
my New Orleans square idea. And Herb said, well, I've got some ideas about it, but I, you know, I'm assigned a different ride, so I'm not really working on it. And Walt said, and I quote, well, it's yours now. Do anything you wish. I'm coming back at noon tomorrow and I want to see my square. So Herb Ryman had like (laughs) under 24 hours to basically make a mock-up of what he thought the New Orleans square could look like. Uh, And he did. And pretty much exactly what Herb came up with in those 24 hours is what exists today at New Orleans Square. Can we take a minute? Like, it's one of my favorite bits, especially where it gets really narrow back by Blue Bayou and those like fancy glass shops are back there and like stuff like that. And like, I just I love it, love it, love it over there that it's like a very small area that I really love because then you get to the most ridiculous bathrooms on the planet where there's always a line back in that corner by the beignets. But before that, that whole little area is just so, oh, it's great. I love it. It's so picturesque. It's so darling. They've got the iron laced balconies overlooking the square and, you know, that the French style it's everywhere. They always have, um, you know, just a lot of great music playing. In fact, to get in the mood for coming up with this and writing this today, I listened to the music on soundsofdisneyland.com, which is a thing. But it really feels 1850s New Orleans, which is awesome. Um, So what Herb was really working through and what Walt wanted him to do is he did not want this to be really an attractions-based area. He figured the rest of his park could be plenty for rides. He wanted New Orleans Square to be the first, like, themed shopping and dining experience. And essentially, that's what it was. He ended up having six different restaurants and seven different little stores that have all kind of interchanged over the years and have reformed a bit. But... He started off with a real themed area to go shopping, which is awesome, uh, which I think is kind of what later became Disney Springs and Downtown Disney. But this was his first foray into that. Um, so ultimately, it took the Imagineers four years to create and build New Orleans Square. And the area, which I said earlier, was about three acres in size, cost about $18 million to make. I know. Here here you go with this. It debuted on July 24th, 1966 with a second line parade, um, a big dedication with the current mayor of New Orleans. And Walt joked to that mayor that he thought the um, New Orleans Square probably cost as much as the Louisiana Purchase. And uh, if you didn't, you know, add in like inflation, it actually cost a little bit more than the Louisiana Purchase. So... (laughs) When New Orleans Square opened, they didn't have, like I said, any attractions. However, they were in the throes of working on Pirates of the Caribbean. It wasn't ready yet. and But Blue Bayou was ready. It, the restaurant was all set to go. However, Walt wouldn't allow it to open until the same day as Pirates of the Caribbean opened. Um, and Walt said he didn't want people looking at stagnant water. His quote was, it's... It's a bad show to look at a bayou without pirate boats floating by. So you had to wait. Um, So that brings us to when did those pirate boats start operating? Uh, We were um, we're actually kind of lucky to have boats on this ride because the initial concept that Walt came up with with this like pirate themed ride was not a ride at all. He wanted it to be a walking attraction which seemed like kind of the theme in the early 50s whenever they were talking about these. A lot of them were um, 
very much like maze like. I know we talked about that yeah. with Alice in Wonderland. So he wanted the same thing and have wax figures of pirates kind of placed everywhere. But then the 1964 World's Fair opens up and all of the attractions out there do so well, especially It's a Small World. And that's when he recognized like, oh, maybe we should turn this into a boat ride and kind of keep audience engaged and so that they don't get bored just walking through looking at wax figurines. So that's what they did. They changed it into a boat ride. Um, so Imagineers got to work designing the different rooms, telling all the different stories of, you know, New Orleans and basically like throwing themselves a street party was kind of the, the overall theme of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, there's one Imagineer in particular who was really the brains and the voice behind the operation of Pirates of the Caribbean. His name was Xavier Antasio. Antis, Antis, I'm not sure I'm saying that right. Xavier Antecito, uh, okay. but they called him X. X was his nickname. That's a great nickname to have. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right? Nobody like will forget X. you if your name is X. <laughs> You're a villain. Yes. So he seemed so sweet. I watched a couple of interviews with this guy. He actually passed away only a couple years ago in 2017 at age 98. But he originally started with Walt as one of his animators. And his big kind of first claim to fame was that he made Monstro, the whale, in Pinocchio. And so he kind of worked his way up the ladder at Walt Disney's um, animation. He eventually got asked to work on Imagineering. And his very first gig was from Walt himself saying, hey, you're good at storyboards. Can you storyboard the Pirates of the Caribbean ride for me? So X went home, thought about it, and the first thing that came to his mind was the auction scene. So he wrote it out. He loved it, came in, pitched it to Walt, who was very stoic about it, and and X was like, this isn't going well. And Walt said, nope, I like it. Keep going. And so X created the entire script for Pirates of the Caribbean, and he even came up with the song Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me. Uh, yo ho, yo ho, pirate. Sorry, you don't need Adam. <laughs> you don't need Adam singing time right now, but it's fine. I think you should keep going. <laughs> well, you can also still hear X's voice on the ride because he is he voices several of the pirates in some of the scenes, and he is the voice of the skulls saying "Dead man tells no tales" right before you take that first plunge into the ride. Really? Yes. I had no idea. Huh. I know. I like it. So sweet. Okay, so let's talk about that plunge. That first plummet was also more or less Walt's idea. And so after realizing the layout of this ride and fitting it into New Orleans Square with those same three acres of land that they're working with, everybody kind of said, hey, Walt, we're worried about your train track. This is going to you know, hit the train track. And just like Indiana Jones, I know we've talked about that one a few times, Walt recognize that you're going to have to go underneath the train tracks to get around this um, and put the ride probably more like in a warehouse behind New Orleans Square, which is what they initially did. So he asked his Imagineers to work on, you know, coming up with some way for the boats to get under. And Herb Ryman, another Imagineer at the time, came up with a 26-foot drop at the very start of the ride. 26 feet is pretty epic. It's like... yeah. That's big. A lot. 
Walt said, okay, that's too much. <laughs> Why don't I think about it? And he came back and said, okay, we're going to do a 12-foot drop for people. But we still have to keep going lower. So when they turn the corner, there'll be an unexpected additional drop. So that's what we get. We get two kind of drops. So and, great. Um, yeah. Walt said to her, like, see, isn't that better? So. Can I say every time we do it, I'm like terrified I'm going to be soaking wet, even though I know I'm not going to get wet from that drop. But other than maybe a couple like dropple like sprinkles of water on me but every time we're on it i'm like oh god we're gonna get wet <laughs> right and i think you know i just looked it up you're right splash mountain's far bigger it's a 49 foot drop versus 26 but 26 would still be like a significant splash like you would get wet they were anticipating everybody getting wet and walt was like i don't think for this ride that seems appropriate so Disney hired Aero Development to build and install the water tracks and the boats, and they had done the same thing for It's a Small World. Um, they had a mock version built in a Burbank soundstage of this ride so that Walt could see it himself. And it, there's like this brilliant image inside this book that I will have to send to you, Adam, that shows Walt in the very front of one of the pirate boats being pushed down like by some Imagineers so he can experience what that 12-foot drop felt like and it's adorable um while also got they put the animatronics everywhere and walt got to see all the animatronics in action and really get to ride this ride though it was not where it currently resides it was inside a burbank soundstage but he did get to experience it which is good because that was the only time Walt got to ride the Pirates of the Caribbean. Sadly, Aww. he passed away three months before the ride opened. Man, there's so much of that park he never got to see finished. Like, remember when we talked about the Haunted Mansion and how he never got to see that completed? Like, there's just so sad. He did. This was the last ride that Walt got to create. You know, this is yeah. the last ride that Disneyland claims to be really Walt's fingerprints on. Um, and besides, he did get to walk the track of the ride while there was still dirt and everything. And he saw the animatronics in place, but no water. So he did get to see what the building looks like. And he got to ride the experience, you know, in Burbank. But he didn't get to see its opening date. And in fact, the... um. Six months prior when New Orleans Square had opened, that was his last public appearance for Disney. So he did a couple televised things, but this was his last like public in-person thing. Oh, last thing. Also, X, our favorite guy. Um, during that Burbank walk or ride through and they get to the big um, auction scene and all of this. And there's so much noise going around. X was sitting in the boat next to Walt and turned to him and said, I'm so sorry. It's too loud. and It's too hard to hear the dialogue going on. And Walt laughed and said, no, I love this. It, it means that everybody can kind of hear something different. It's like being at a cocktail party. You tune in <laughs> to one conversation and then into another uh, so each time a guest goes on this ride, they're going to hear something different. So I believe it. That was. Yeah. Mm. Um, and to one more nod to X. Uh, he also was the script writer for The Haunted Mansion, and he wrote Great Grimming Ghosts as well. Oh, singing with Adam. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so. Pirates of the Caribbean opened on March 18th, 1967. And like I said, this was Walt's um, last ride that he got to participate creating uh, before his passing. 
1997, uh, there were a lot of changes starting to happen to this ride that you and I both probably remember <laughs> those changes. But in 1997, the chase scene of the pirates with the male pirates chasing the women were altered to show pirates chasing women who were now holding pies and foods and things <laughs> like that. And um, a woman chasing down a guy. So they were trying to already switch the roles a little bit. Um, they took out a drunk pirate who was waving a map and keys um, and just made it now. He's still there now, but now he looks like this fat, gluttonous pirate who's searching for food um and then there was also a woman riding a barrel like a like a beer barrel in a scene <laughs> and i don't remember her but they took her out entirely and put the cats in you know the cats that look all yeah, mangy. Yeah. so x our imagineer x estencio he said that <laughs> he was not a big fan of these changes uh he referred to the new softening touches as quote the Boy Scouts of the Caribbean, no longer the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> X has some bite. <laughs> so, um, in 2006, the ride was refurbished again, and that, and then they brought in the scenes from the movie franchise. So we got Johnny Sorry, Depp. Sorry, folks. Uh, Noah is very, very into this uh, story so much. He's very upset over it. Um, so if you oh, hear I didn't even hear, but now I hear. Okay, but now you hear. Yeah, he's in the background. It's fine. Oh. What do you think of the addition of Johnny Depp in the Pirates movies? Oh, okay. So I remember being at Disney World when that happened and they added him to the ride at Disney World. That's where I saw it first. So, well, let yeah. me back up. Di Pirates of the Caribbean was the very first ride I ever rode at Disneyland. My parents took me there when I was a kid and I was absolutely terrified. I rode the entire ride with my hands over my eyes peeking through between my fingers, screaming my head off, sounding like Noah right now. Um, that Aww. that was me on Pirates of the Caribbean. Ever since then, I've absolutely loved it, but I was terrified as a kid. Um, it was one of the first rides we took Noah on. Granted, he had no idea what was happening because he was maybe three months old when we took him to that. Yes. No, five months. He was five months when we went the first time. Um, so loved it. I think it's time. I think... It made sense when they added Johnny Depp to it, but it's time to go. It's time to go. Time to take him out. Time yeah, to take Johnny out. Yeah, time to take him out. Take him out. Like, I, I yeah. don't know if it just, I don't think it works anymore. I also don't know if so many people are still watching the movies. That I, mean, I mean, they were huge movies. Like, we talked about how they did the premiere at Disneyland in front of, you know, in front of the Rivers of America and, like, with the ride right there. Yes. But, like, I don't know. Maybe it's time. It's time. I think he's going to be there for another 10 years. I think Probably. he will eventually come out, but it will be another 10 years. And Are you know we, what? Weren't we anything, trying to, like, cancel him or something? Wasn't that happening? I well, that's what I, where I was going with. I feel like this is going to be a Captain EO situation where it's like everybody loves Michael Jackson. They made a whole Michael Jackson ride called Captain EO, a show. And then Michael Jackson didn't have some favorable things said and done and and, you know. Whatever you may think, he was no longer in the limelight. Uh, they they plucked that movie on Out of the Parks, and then he dies, and they're like, here's Captain EO again for you all, folks. Mm, so true. who knows? Um, and the last little thing that I'm sure you remember, but in 2017, they also changed the redhead, the no more we want the redhead at the auction scene. It was no longer auctioning women, but now they're auctioning off 
pirate loot. And so, and the redhead is the auctioneer. So yep. that she debuted at Disneyland in June of 2018. I, I appreciated that. I liked that switch that they did. That was fine by me. I, I didn't, they're pirates. I wasn't thinking that they needed to be super PC, but I also, it, I don't really care enough. Like it's cute, <laughs> but whatever. Um, I have a couple other fun facts about okay. the Pirates of the Caribbean ride for you. Uh, first off, there are 630,000 gallons of water flowing oh through the gosh. attraction. Yeah. It's a lot that's of water. More than double what they have at um, It's a Small World. I believe so, it. There you have it. Um, and each boat holds up to 24 passengers and they have a total of 50 boats. It is a people eater. Like that thing gets through people. Oh, yeah. Disney loves a boat ride because it can really just funnel the people right on through. Um, Speaking of that ride, do you have any guess how long the Disneyland Pirates of the Caribbean is? 18 minutes. You were so close. It's 16 minutes. Ah, I knew it was somewhere in there because remember we when they were reopening, we weren't sure if Pirates was going to reopen because of the amount of time you could be inside during the early right. days of reopening. Remember, it was that and Rise of the Resistance. That. We weren't sure. Yeah, you're right. We did talk about that. Well, it's 16 minutes um, because of that opening scene with the dead pirates, all the skeletons that doesn't really exist in the other parks. They do have, um, you know, there's other iterations of this ride. And the next longest ride is the Disneyland Paris version at 10 minutes. And they do it. It's almost backwards. So we've done that one a couple of times where the like cave bit is at the end. So you like do all the stuff and then the cave bits at the end. It's very weird. I really want to go on that one. And then. Tokyo Disney is at nine and a half minutes, and then Magic Kingdom in Florida is eight and a half minutes long. Which it's just, is, I skip it when the Magic Kingdom because of the better ones out here. Me too. I agree. Um, there are 75 audio animatronic pirates and villagers, and there are 53 audio animatronic animals and birds in the ride, making it 128 working animatronics operating all at once. Wow. 128, folks. That's a lot of moving parts. The ride passes by the Louisiana Bayou, where you can see the Blue Bayou restaurant to the right, and then the cabin with the man playing banjo to the left, and he is playing two songs. He's playing Oh Susanna and Camp Town Races. He's playing them really slow. That was my best banjo. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. good. I liked it. That was good. I think you should go on the road with that. Um, And here's my last fun fact, and it's the funnest of the fun facts, I think. All right. All right. Uh, Before Walt's death, Walt had told Roy that he wanted to build his brother a clubhouse above Pirates of the Caribbean. So he was like, I'm going to build us a second apartment. It's going to be just yours and mine, and it's it's the Brothers Clubhouse apartment. And so they built it out. They didn't furnish it yet, but they built it oh. out, and they put in a WD and an RD in gold, like embossed gold over the wrought iron, and it's still there today. So next time you ride this ride, look up, look directly above you, and you will see um, they're kind of on top of one another the rd and the yeah it's up where like wd where captain jack will be up there like waving at people or tiana will be up there 
on that balcony, right? Yes, you're right. It's kind of sandwiched between the ride and then the little bread bowl clam chowder spot. So uh, I'll take a picture. We're going again here in a few days. So I'll take a picture of it for you guys and you can see it. But I think that's really sweet. I think if you know about the year of a million dreams that happened in the mid 2000s, they turned that into the Disneyland dream suite. But the initials are still there in the wrought iron. Hmm. So oh, Dana, that's the, I loved it. That's the vault. Oh, it Aww. makes me really want to just be writing Pirates of the Caribbean again and again. And I too. love that bit when the fire is going, you smell the fire burning. It's like also like on Spaceship Earth when you go to Rome and you smell Rome burning. Oh, it's so yes. good. So good. Well, Dana, I thanks. Know. You're welcome. Um, if you are missing out on Pirates of the Caribbean, text, email, DM Dana, whatever, and she'll make sure you're writing it one day. Yeah, I can get you on Pirates of the Caribbean at any of these parks, <laughs> though we now know that the Disneyland one is far superior. So that's uh, what yeah, I would the only recommend you go doing. visit. All right. Well, All right. I think that's it. So have a great week, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye.